The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The one-shot is revised edition, so you'll have to use converted stat blocks. That's impossible, even for a podcaster. It's not impossible. I used to bullshit stat blocks for the Dark Times podcast back home, and they're not much bigger than two podcasters. Welcome back to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. I'm Sam, uh, one of the many Bothans who died to get us this information. Oh. <laughs> How the fuck am I supposed to follow that up? <laughs> <laughs> who are you now? Now, who are you? <laughs> and I'm Steven, a pilot who joined the Imperial Academy to defect to the Rebels before Luke did it. <laughs> before it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good, Stephen. Thanks. We have some feedback from last week. Very good. Let's uh, let's dig in at this. Oh, well, here. first of all, how you been? How you doing? I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm 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 a little tired. Uh, it's it was, it's a nice three day weekend, so I've been enjoying oh, that. Um, yeah. It's probably like the first three day weekend I've had since the new job. So it's it's been nice. It took- we're still in the Stephen new job arc. I'm yeah, a, I'm we're a still big fan of this section of our podcast. <laughs> still in the Stephen new job arc. Um, yeah, this, <laughs> this weekend I, I, I just took today to kind of relax and do some stuff around the house, clean the kitchen, laundry, all that, all that fun heck stuff. Heck yeah, heck yeah. The dryer did not dry my clothes whatsoever, so I'm dealing dealing with that. That's awful. Yeah, but you know how it is. How about you, Sam? How are you doing? Doing pretty well, doing pretty well. Holding up over the weekend, just getting ready to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, enough about me, though, Stephen. We have some feedback from last week. Yes, yes, indeed. Let's take a look. We heard from Froon Levin on Reddit. Uh, he says, great episode. I let my players change the direction of the story in Nerf Rancher's Daughter, which will come back to bite them in the butt before too long. Your converted stats are definitely going to come in handy when the time comes. The short version is that the players made off with the stakes, allowing the town to be destroyed. And they may have contributed to that by setting off an ion pulse that killed most of the skeckfish, but also shorted out the town's systems. So... Davengat is still alive and probably holds the PCs responsible for what happened, in addition to stealing his stakes. It won't be next session, but eventually, Davengat will make a return appearance. Cue to maniacal GM laughter. That's so great, Froonlevin. I can't believe... Although, I, I think he implied that this was a possibility, that his players would, would do something <laughs> kind of murder-hobo-y. Murder it's a, kind of funny to me that, that they ended up making a, a, pretty, a bad situation worse. <laughs> Thank God we got all these steaks. <laughs> and now there's some dude out there who's he's probably like feeding the skeckfish like steaks and training them to to like become bigger skeckfish. Oh, there That's- you go. <laughs> yeah, it's like it was only like what three thousand credits worth of steaks. It was definitely yeah. no. It was definitely <laughs> worth it to worth- like help the town. Not worth destroying a whole town. Over no, now. definitely not. Like, did they just think they could get away with it? I'm just, I'm trying to imagine the type of table here. It's not very hard to imagine the type of table that does this, but yeah, interesting stuff. You get, you get the PCs in a dark alley, and then uh, the, uh, someone comes up in a trench coat. Davin Gad sends his regards. <laughs> and just, <laughs> just starts gunning them down. I think that's what's going to have to be. Frun, Frun here seems to imply that probably when they least expect it, old Davin Gat will be there to. I don't know. I like the idea of Davengat being on their tail the entire time, like that one Darth Maul comic, you know? Maybe he'll surmount the BBEG. <laughs> there we go. He's the real He's the real BBEG now. He's so fucking funny. <laughs> Some throwaway guy from the first session becoming the BBEG. I love it. I love it. Well done. Froon That'd be Levin. a good backstory for him, Stephen. It would be. It would be. And Froon Levin, honestly, thank you so much. Please keep us updated for how this turns out because I'm, I'm pretty invested now. I, I kind of expected that some players might just completely shit on the adventure. Cause that's, that's kind of, that's the, the freedom to do that is the beauty of the format. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe we'll hear more about, about Diamond Gats adventures. And then I know there's at least one other out there trying to run that adventure. And I'd, I'd love to hear how it goes. Cause it was, it was fun to kind of bring this out of the, out of the, the, the deep closet Maybe cause it's not the best metaphor. We've we've dusted off the dirt off Death Dirt and the Nerf Rancher's daughter. Nah, why did I laugh like that? Oh my god, that's a good villain backstory, Stephen. It is. And speaking of good backstories, oh, segue. We call it in the business. There you go. Always segueing over here. Yeah, well, you know, keeping the conversation going forward. Uh, what about good backstories, Stephen? I think about backstories a lot. Cause, and I'm going to, I'm going to be like more honest than I should be here. Well, really quick. They are the, the premise of today's episode as well. We're talking about backstories. Yes. 
If that wasn't clear, I guess. <laughs> no, we, we, well, we, you know, it's good to make it clear. I don't think we made it clear. <laughs> I, I have, I have complex and ever shifting feelings about backstories. As you know, I'm a very intellectual and complex guy. You know, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm not like other guys, Sam. <laughs> you have a job now. Yeah, right? I have a job. Now. <laughs> <laughs> they work now. <laughs> <laughs> so. Backstories, backstories, backstories. I like two kinds of backstories and they're complete opposites. I like the backstory that is five bullet points and like no more than a hundred words total. The who, what, when, where, why. Yes. And how. Yes. And, and we have, we have like all sorts at our, at our table. Mm-hmm. And I also like the backstory that is like three pages long. Of course. But if it's like, I, I'm too I'm too scrutinizing with long backstories. If if it's gonna be that many words as a game master, I really, really want it to like have effort. Cause we all know the like stereotypical, like super long backstory that is long-winded and it's like a whole adventure in of in of itself. And especially for level one players, you know, that that can just really, really be a drag, particularly because like a level one character is, of course, at the at the start of their journey. So it, I'm more of the mindset that, that those should lean on the shorter side. But I've read some really, really spectacular, super long winded backstories. Uh, the two examples that come to mind are both at our current table. There's Tully, who that player first came to me with, like, no backstory. And I was like, I'm going to need a little more. <laughs> <laughs> More than nothing, please. Yeah, like like I, I think it was established early on, like they they have a father and they with the circumstance that like brought them into the rebellion. I was like, we had that. I'm like, okay, good. That's that's enough. But need a little bit more. And then that player got back to me with like five bullet points, like a little bit more. And I was like, okay, cool. This is this is sufficient. And then there's Yegor who straight up has like totally if you could see the roll 20 like bio page. I love it. it I love this real yeah. 20 bio page. It's a whole short story complete with like unique characters and twists and turns and like a unique setting, a unique setting, a whole new planet with like Soviet, like ice chilled, like mining world. And this whole like culture of, of humans who like to scrap together ships to, to make mining runs. And Oh, it's, it's just amazing. And that's the shit I love. I guess and then you have backstories I bring, which are like, he's just a guy. Yeah, yeah. Your yours, your backstories are great because it's like, it's kind of like a stand-up routine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the setup to a joke. Yeah. And my character is the punchline. Yeah, exactly. No, precisely. Like your, your character. So y- y- we've all seen the meme. Like, what if there was a swamp creature? Like, what if there was a, <laughs> yeah. What, what if there was a Googer? Like. <laughs> that, that's how your backstories tend to go. And I, I appreciate that too. But yeah, it's, I, I can be so, so picky with, with backstories, but I kind of, I, I didn't have that problem. I haven't had that problem with you guys ever. Like our, our main group, no. I've never, ever been received a backstory where I was like, mm. it's almost like we're all writers uh, in, in whether we know it or not, we're all kind of writers and creatively you know, we're, we're creatively inclined like that. Oh yeah. We are, we are blessed with an extremely skilled uh, group of players and I, I could not be happier about it, but yeah, we always hear the classic RPG horror stories of the guy who had the, the cursed blood prince who like lost his he God. He is Korthak, fourth of his name. Long may he rule. <laughs> yeah. And I like, I, I feel like we barely even need to touch on that because like that topic has been derided endlessly for like decades now, only because it, it keeps happening, but <laughs> well, so this episode, we're going to talk more about player backstories from the GM's perspective, because I'm sure I haven't checked, but I'm like 99 percent sure we've talked about what makes a good backstory. We have. As it a was, player. Yeah, I think it was in our like first 10 episodes. I'm pretty yeah, sure it was good. They're it was probably good episode. better, better episodes than <laughs> what you say. We're on our, are we on our downhill now of the Dark Times? No, podcast? no. Why, why do you think so? I, I No, no, not at all. <laughs> I think we're pretty consistent. Not if you think that. Not if yeah. you think that. <laughs> I want to reiterate, though, about backstories from a player's perspective, because after this point, we're all going to put our GM hats on. We're going to fucking like it. (laughs) Yeah. Hell yeah. It's a backstory. Emphasis on back. It's the story of your character before they became a heroic character. This concept definitely applies more to er like early level heroes or characters like one to three ish, you know, 
Because honestly, if a, if a you know level ten Jedi Knight came up to me and was like, "Yeah, I've killed Sith before," duh, like, I'd be good. like, <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be like, either roll for it and then yeah, or be like, oh, "Well, you wrote it out already." Then yeah, absolutely, it's a key part of your backstory. He killed your master, of course. You stabbed him through the stomach, and <laughs> then he, then he fell to his he fell down a hole, and he might come back. What is this an old Republic like <laughs> expansion Maul. trailer? Like, oh yeah, it's that Maul. is Maul. You're right. <laughs> it's just Maul's death. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking of the old Republic expansion trailers because they're like they're all the same. Trailers. They're really cool, but they're like all the same. <laughs> but they're cinematically impressive, which is the oh point. yeah, <laughs> you know, you see a Jedi with a double bladed lightsaber make a triple front flip and then go no when their master does. Sorry, sorry they didn't introduce the panda Jedi, Steven. I know that's what you were waiting for. Is the oh, is yeah. the tours the Swotors the equivalent of Pandaria? I know that's all we've been waiting for. Known Wowhead Tina Sloth over here. <laughs> I want to talk about because only mostly because this is inspired by you, Steve, in this episode topic. Thank you. Recently, we, in our zero distance campaign, we had an incredible stumble upon by our party that our commanding officer had secretly put forth the the actions in our characters' lives that led them to join the rebellion. Yes, yes. Uh, Commander Fanrot, the, the the spec force officer that's kind of the main quest giver for the party. Um, I, I had hinted for a long time throughout the his, the whole campaign that of his ability to you know infiltrate, do covert stuff. He's a he's a Bothan spy. I mean, it, it's it was written right on his forehead. You know, spy guy right there in bold red yeah. impact text. And and so the the kind of the big middle campaign twist that I wanted to do this time is that he purposefully targeted each member of the party in unique ways to make their lives shit so that they join the rebellion. And the example of, of Sigil, kind of the de facto party leader, the, the, the party's commanding officer, the highest rank of, of among the players. She, she was orphaned by Fanrot's hand and, and intentionally ousted from her, her death Mary witch clan by his actions. He infiltrated the witch clan, spread rumors that she was shit and eventually, you know, led to, to her, her exile. Uh, in the case I just mentioned Tully, like, they had a, a really like traumatic injury that that stopped their street racing career and, and ended up shifting career paths to join the rebellion. Uh, it was Fanrot that sabotaged their, you know, racing ship to actually bring about that injury. And also, I, I think, I yeah, I had him slip like persuasion drugs into <laughs> into their dad's <laughs> calf so that they'd be more OK with this. And yeah, um, this was the first time I really kind of realized I kind of had a light bulb moment when I was sitting down to to start this adventure that I I can take complete control over a character's backstory like that is free reign with me as a game master. And and it's not really something we talked about in our session zero. But and the more I thought about it, the more I realized that that is, you know, for lack of a better term, free real estate as a game master. And, that, and <laughs> yeah, maybe it's obvious to, to you, dear listener. But to me, it was the first time where that kind of clicked with me. I was like, oh, yeah, I can change, recontextualize, manipulate backstories just as much as I do maps and encounters and, you know, session music. That's all within my realm of control. So I was really happy when I was very flattered, really, when Sam came to me with this topic inspired by the the choice I made in our campaign to actually encourage people to do that more if they if they weren't doing it already, because I think it it really worked out. We've talked about using your players' backstories. I've done it. We we talked about that session I had where the white worms had kidnapped your character Dav's father. Yes. And we talked about how he had a father, but it wasn't like what you've done where it's like, hey, it turns out I'm taking your father and I'm turning him into a tool for my use in the past that had already happened. I was using your backstory as a, as a plot hook, whereas you are using our backstories as a plot device, which I think is just an interesting. It's just taking the the usual like, oh, my my player character's got a family. So let's let's bring their family back as NPCs and kind of turning it on its head. Very well put. Uh, and honestly, I'm still completely flattered by what you're saying because <laughs> it, it, it makes me sound a hell of a lot smarter than than I sometimes feel. But yeah, it's it's and what you described is like the great classic way of doing it. Right. I mean, you I in that adventure you were game mastering. I had a character who had a pre-established kind of setting family. I basically stole solo Han Solo's backstory because <laughs> it, oh, it's a cool planet. Corellia. And that that's what that's the classic advice. Right. That's DMing one on one. You 
pick a guy from your player's backstory and then, oh, God, oh, no, guess what? The guy from the player's backstory has returned and oh God, and he needs money (laughs) (laughs) and he needs money or he's, you know, seeking revenge for whatever conflict was in the backstory. And Yegor, another one of 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 our players, it was so obvious. He was very it was openly baiting the kind of surprise revenge return with his character. And I even had a chance to bust that out too. When you all went to point in a deer, we had a little side adventure with Yegor cause he missed a session. I wanted to make it up with a little play by post. That was really fun. It was my first time experimenting with that style of play. And I had I a really good time. This. Yeah. Did, did you, did you not know about this? I got really carried away and it was super fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always great. Yeah. And uh, that, that was kind of my chance. That's when I did the, the thing that you're talking about where we brought back, I can't remember, it was some sort of uh, Black Sun agent, uh, Zephyr, Agent Zephyr. Mm. Uh, it's kind of a rival from his backstory that kind of went back and forth throughout his, his the, the beginnings of his career. Uh, and then I was able to twist that further when the, the party had the big revelation about their past and Fanron, because then I put her on Fanrot's spy payroll, just as like a sub agent to keep tabs on, on Yegor. So it was really fun to kind of do that double twist with the character, bring that character back. Like this player so obviously wanted me to, and then kind of wrap them up as part of this whole, um, this whole twist with, with Fanrot inducing you guys to join the rebellion. It was especially funny too, because I don't want to say it like trivialized, the relationship that those two characters had before agent Zephyr and Yegor, but it definitely added this whole different context to it. When you consider that they were like lifelong rivals and then I'm like, Oh, she was just doing it for a paycheck. <laughs> well, and it, it begs the question, like how long ago was she on the, is it a recent thing? Is yeah. It early on. Is it before they met? Cause that's like crazy. I like it. I like it, Steven. Thank you. And I wanted it to, um, what I wanted to achieve and, and, totally changing the the context for you guys' backstories, kind of have that pull the rug out from under you moment, kind of just inject a lot of doubt just everywhere. Because that doubt to me is is tension. Like the the tension, like you don't know you you had this revelation as to what you thought was a trusted commanding officer, what he's capable of, and you you thought you had a clear idea of what he can do. And then, you know, the whole world kind of opens up after that revelation. You're like, oh God, you know, we don't even know the begin our beginning, let alone our end with this guy. And, and it, it, it makes it, I, I kind of want that free fall feeling in, in the yeah, adventure. You definitely did that. Our characters have definitely hit the sort of what's real anymore. Are we, is, is the cause even worth fighting for if they're going through these things to recruit us and stuff like that? It's interesting. Cause my character I'm playing right now, Dev. Yeah. He's the Duros, uh, XPOW turned, rebel soldier mm-hmm. i'm sure he was like duros militia beforehand and, yeah and, and, and then you know because he's still very firmly in his resolve i feel like and it's one of those things where he recounts to the party these like these horrors that he witnessed under the empire and then it turns out that fanrot had extended like willingly extended his stay in an imperial prison yeah but for it to him he's like yeah he did but i was still there in the first place and it's still wrong what they did to us. I, I like it. I like I like seeing that that inner character, uh, that friction that we had in those first in like that session after we found out. Because we're in a pr- pretty precarious situation with him right now, right? I, this feels like <laughs> it feels like it. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm glad you brought up your character, Dev, because Dev fucking rules. And uh, he's funny as hell. And I, the, my, <laughs> but my favorite thing about him, you know, is is his obvious comedy elements aside. Uh, he's kind of the like the rebel center of the party, like you alluded to after the party had this revelation that they had all effectively been tricked into joining a special forces operation for the rebels. He was like. Yeah, but we're we're still rebels, right? Like we're still fighting the empire, yeah. right? Like display- the empire is still the bad guys. Yeah, yeah, I want yeah. you guys through. They're still fascists. <laughs> Every, everyone, everyone was like, should we even like be here anymore? Like everyone was like, we should probably just leave because this is wrong. You know, we were tricked into service. We we don't feel like we need to be fighting for anything anymore. But then Dev's like, guys, are you forgetting about the Empire? And it's great because I don't have a character like that to help bring the party back. <laughs> <laughs> it's good when one of the players still wants to go along with the main plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I realized I, I've, I've, you know, my my 
only fear with this this plot twist was like pushing you guys too far too fast into like losing all justification for like participating in the story, which I cannot blame you guys when it comes to a revelation this big. It was a danger I'd realized I was risking when I wanted to sit down and make the quest giver a bad guy. Cause that, that's what I wanted to do when I started this campaign it was like, what if the quest giver was a bad guy? And at the moment that quest giver slash bad guy is also the leading, like the, the active captain of our whole fleet like kind of at the moment yeah that's the fun thing I, I i knew early on i wanted to so the the captain of of the the carrier ship you guys serve on the serendipity the captain uh bricks yashir crash landed on an uncharted jungle world you guys are currently hex crawling through that jungle to find him it's been a blast really fun but this has also allowed you know fanrot the bad quest giver to finally and thoroughly usurp the little power he didn't already have <laughs> like, like he has assumed direct control over the entire operation, over the entire carrier ship. And, you know, he you guys already know he's not one to really give that up. So it's it's going to be interesting to see where this goes, because he's got this plan. He's got this weird baggage with the Empire. He, he assembled you all to try and save his family who are on Kessel and, and all that shit. And I, I really am excited, which is way totally 100 percent different than like the actual overarching plot of our like, because as far as I know, it, we're going this is post and we left Hoth, right? It's post Empire. No, you left Bathawi. Yeah, no, it's fine. You left Bathawi. You are a few. You're in the, the, the months leading up to Empire is where you okay. are. Yeah, we're, we are pretty sure I'm right with this. We're trans. We're currently transporting precious, precious cargo, not precious, precious. <laughs> We're currently transporting precious cargo to Hoth. Supposedly that's our final destination. Not that not that my characters know that, but we as the players know that the cargo we are transporting is in fact R2D2 and C3PO. Mm-hmm. And I believe our commanding officer know like um Sigil, I think she has the documents that say we're going to Hoth. I can't remember if that was a part of the <laughs> Steven's giving me a shrug like I'm not going to confirm that to you right now just because we're on the, the show. Fu- I'm not, not like I'm going to not like I'm going to take that into my player, ne- my character next session to be like, oh, guys, we're going to Hoth. Like, no. Yeah, no, it's uh, I, there was a lot of hints. So I'm comfortable revealing it because you seem so sure. And literally, you guys picked up like snow equipment. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, the, that's fair. Yeah. The party is is transporting special material, including R2D2 and C3PO to Hoth. But that's, that's it's a on secret. a need to know basis, listeners. So fucking yeah. don't spoil it. Because Hoth is a is a classified location. Yeah. Don't tell the Empire. Don't tell them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they'll figure it out. <laughs> Tying your character's backstory, your player's backstory, your player's character's backstory. There rather, it is. This is what it really is. <laughs> you can tie your player's backstory into the campaign if you want. It just feels weird and personal for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> but tying your player's character's backstory into your campaign while still retaining that whole that center thread of the overarching plot is not easy to do, especially when you turn the main quest giver on the party like that and put them in a position where it's like, hey, what are you guys going to (laughs) do? Yeah. And hey, what are you guys going to do is like my favorite question I ask when when I'm game mastering now. It's it took me a while to get to a position where I was comfortable creating open-ended problems. You know, I, I, of course, like every burgeoning game master, I very much thought this was like a movie that I had to direct with like mm-hmm. an A, B, and C, like rising climax and resolution story when it's, it, it is that, but it's, we all decide that together, obviously. And so I love just creating twists, complications, just leaving them open-ended. Like I didn't write anything in anticipation of my player's reaction to the big twist about their backstories. But what I did do is leave it open-ended and allowed them to, to breathe and change and make decisions, you know, up to including ditching the plot entirely and, and exploring that path. And, and, you know, like we have a character dev who is, you know, very much, very much a rebel, very much fight the empire to have that kind of ebb and flow to have the party be pulled back to, Oh yeah, that's right. We are fighting the empire. That's what we're here to do. Despite, what Fanrot did to us, the Empire has done, you know, much, much more and will do much more if, if they aren't stopped. That has been a really interesting kind of theme to to tie into the campaign. And 
theme was something I really want to emphasize. If, if you decide to take this direct action with your players' backstories, and I strongly suggest that you do, make sure that it ties into like a, a central thread. You know, don't grab the creative products of your players and just start twisting it, mashing it, play-doing it as you please. You know, decide the why. You know, the the why I had, the justification I had for doing it is I wanted to undermine my players' trust in their surroundings. I wanted to see what they would do if, you know, the last sure thing in their world was gone. And you should do that, too. And or maybe you have a different approach that's more appropriate for your story. Maybe in a more traditional, like I'm thinking like an old Republic Jedi versus Sith campaign. Maybe that backstory twist is that one of the players, Jedi Masters, falls to the dark side off screen and comes back as a major Sith antagonist. That's the kind of twist that would be really cool to see how that affects. That's not quite what I did um, for my campaign. It's 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 a little more. What's the word I'm looking for here? Was it sub? Is it subverting the player's backstory? And yeah, absolutely. Perhaps doing it the way you were doing it would be in this example. It turns out that players master had already turned to the dark side even while teaching them Ooh, yes and i actually i like that even better (laughs) they were secretly being cultivated to become a part of the sith without their knowledge that'd be so funny because like what if they that'd be especially great for a player that already has the the you know big air quotes gray jedi propensities (laughs) like wait killing isn't cool with the jedi like what do you mean my master said (laughs) we could like just kill anyone as long as we i'm returning them to the living force i'm not killing anybody (laughs) (laughs) Qui-Gon if he was a little bit more deranged. Oh, I love Qui-Gon. <laughs> that guy's so funny. I talked to him about like his old college buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, my bro Yeah, you guys remember Qui-Gon? Oh, you guys remember Qui-Gon from college, right? Oh, fucking legend, Whoa. man. Whoa. <laughs> no, you you're good. It's my man Qui-Gon Jin with a G. <laughs> But yeah, I guess. So, you, oh, go ahead. Did you fucking? Apparently, you just. My joke went over your head. <laughs> Maybe it did. Could could you? Qui Gon Jin because he was a drinker. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yep, bingo. Jin's not a party kid. Drink though. Qui Gon, listen, man. <laughs> it should have been. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. It should have been Qui Gon White Claw. <laughs> that's a, that's a Qui Gon I can get behind. <laughs> But yeah, the the whole um, the, I guess the, the main point I want to get across here is that, you know, the the backstory, the character backstory is a lever you can pull. And that's obvious to anyone who's thought about it for more than 10 minutes, but really fucking yank it, you know, totally flip the script, perhaps. And what I like about this is another good one. Every backstory is going to have some sort of tragedy in it. Every every hero has the impetus for, for them to undertake the, the journey that led them to, to the adventure you're running. Maybe mix up the ethics of, of what happened to them. Maybe what happened to them was not a white and black situation like they thought. Cause I mean, you know, we're all the, the main characters of our own narratives in our head, everything bad that happens to us, we believe to be a wholly bad thing. And sometimes it is, but perhaps what happened to them was a side effect of a net good. Maybe the horrible accident that, you know, polluted their homestead and drove them from their home planet and from their family was because the rebels took out a star destroyer above their planet and a bunch of coolant and chemicals leaked into the topsoil. And that was what ruined their, their home and, and forced them out, you know, and, and, you know, I, especially if they're like a rebel line character, it'd be cool for them to find out that the rebels were accidentally indirectly responsible for the bad thing that happened to them. I love that, Steven. I love that. Uh, here's, here's a thought I think we can, I, that I want to pitch to you that we can end this conversation on. Yeah. The only fixed thing about your character, your player's character's backstory is their perception of it. Yes, absolutely. That's the only thing about that backstory that is solid is how they remember it, whether that be how it happened or just their perception of the events. And it's, you know, another thing that drove me to, to get this manipulative, this hands-on with my player's backstory is that I was very much a victim of, Okay, I sit down, I read the character's backstory once, maybe twice at the start of the campaign. 
maybe pull that NPC that's being clearly baited to make a, a return in the adventure. And then I drop it. Like, I don't think about it. It doesn't it doesn't matter to me anymore <laughs> after that. It sits there on the roll 20 bio tab or as like a pasted text file in my discord. And it's never, ever part of, of my planning or thinking ever again. Now, I I regularly go back to that shit because they're fun to read. And it's good to recalibrate, you know, your players thoughts at the start of this adventure. Obviously, any player who's paying attention and really any player is idea of their character is going to morph and change as the character morphs and change. But don't forget, you know, that single thread, that core that is, you know, the, the driving thread as they, you know, take off in the middle of your adventure. It's important to, I think, reorient yourself and you'll probably get new ideas. I certainly did. I mean, this, this whole fan rot ruins their lives backstory thing that did not come to me until we were already maybe a quarter of the way through the campaign. And I was like, Oh wait, yeah, they all kind of have these tragedies that brought them to the rebellion. You know, what common thread can I pull from all those that is most interesting and turned out assigning those tragedies to their quest giver was, was what felt like the most interesting. And it's, it's something that I think has worked really well. It's, it's shifted the tone in the campaign in, the, in a very interesting place that I don't think we've explored much as, as players, as narrative creators yet. And it's a, uh, it's been a blast. And I hope, I hope hearing this inspires you to really think outside the box when it comes to using your, your players' backstories. Cause a lot of the advice I see with backstories can be a little rote. I mean, it's very, a little bit stagnant area. When I see like, you know, average GMing one-on-one advice on Reddit, usually Reddit or on like YouTube, I feel like everyone's been copying the same advice for 20 years and that's okay. Cause that, that's what we, that's what we do here. Like that's, that's what we're here for. But I just I don't see a lot of really taking that backstory and just fucking squeezing it. Just like Plato, <laughs> like like rip and tear, take ownership. Yeah, they wrote it. OK, yeah, they wrote the character. They wrote their backstory. But I really want to see more people talk about just taking that backstory and and just completely owning it. Just what what's the word I'm looking for here? Annex. I want, you to, yeah, I want you to annex your player's backstory. Say this is mine now. Take it out, dump it upside down, rip its guts out, wrap it around the neck, you know, inside all that. It's a little gory. Sorry. But really just make a fucking turducken out of that shit. You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even if it's as simple as like. A important NPC of yours witnessed the backstory secretly. And even if your player says like, hey, he wasn't there, you can say, yes, he was. Do something about it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) well, Stephen, I think that's enough. Not a, not enough. That's That's a very good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm glad I could have opened this conversation up for our listeners because I'm, I just, I thought it was a good idea. Me too. And And I I want people to write in on this. I want this to be an open conversation, like, like we often have. And please write on Reddit. I I tell you what, make it as big as give us your four paragraphs. I don't care. Like. I've got a free weekend coming up. We'll sit down. We'll make it into bullet points uh, on our end. But please, I, I know there's some intelligent minds listening. I know there's a lot of intelligent minds listening, except you. <laughs> <laughs> That's me in the future you're talking to, Steven. Yeah. You mean me? <laughs> no, I just wanted to. That's whoever thinks it is them. What? <laughs> anyway, you get it. There's our, our audience is made up entirely of brilliant minds. And I know you guys have strong thoughts on this and I'd love to hear them. You can always write into our email, darktimeswissy at gmail.com. Reddit thread is great for big stuff, especially if you want to generate conversation with others. And I would love to take highlights from such a conversation and feature them on our next episode. Maybe you'll change my mind. Maybe I'm doing a terrible, horrible thing and, and you should yes. tell me so. Yes. Steven, all your players should be happy at all times. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had uh, imposter syndrome as a podcast listener before, but I think you found a way to do it. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. You listener, you aren't good enough to listen. You should just turn it off. now. <laughs> I know. I, I, I did notice something after you said this about our party. All mm-hmm. of our backstories had like some sort of tragedy take place. Yeah, they have to. Or, <laughs> it's Star Wars. They have. I to mean, say. yeah. Think about. It. I mean, when you think about like the hero's, you know, journey, the heroic paradigm that is pervasive to like all Western storytelling, and, and we're Western storytellers. Um, 
that template exists for a reason because it's very accessible to our little brains. So yes, you, the, every backstory has to have that tragedy that that starts the adventure. Sorry, I interrupted you to soapbox again. No, it's okay. I like yeah. it. It's Stephen's soapbox is great. It's like Stan Lee's soapbox <laughs> from the old comic days. <laughs> what I was saying, like, if anyone has a, any party that has not one single tragic backstory. <laughs> I want to hear about it. How did you do it? What sort of world are you cultivating where your players are like, yeah, they're happy. They just wanted to go out and do cool shit. <laughs> and, you know, by tragedy, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking in a purely like archetypal sense of tragedy. Like, <laughs> for example, Yegor's backstory isn't really all that sad, actually. That's why I kind of struggled to insert the big twist into his because I just had to say, oh, his Black Sun rival was on the spy payroll. That was like the worst I could do to him <laughs> because like. Besides that, his backstory was like, oh, yeah, he kind of had a tough upbringing on a on a rough around the edges backwater world. But he's a happy guy and he's lived a fulfilling life and he knows machines as a result. Like that was his backstory. Like he, he didn't even I don't even think his like Black Sun rival ever like injured him. He like had a <laughs> he like had some brief like indentured servitude with the Black Sun. But that's just like normal Black Sun shit. So what you're saying is uh, make your backstory as unfuck up a bowl by your GM as possible. <laughs> he kind of did it. I was like, man, I really cannot take this because it was a really good, like, yeah, he struggled, but it's not like sad. There's tragedy, but nothing that he didn't overcome. You know, Yegor is an old er man. He's kind of past the, the part. And another thing I want to say is, you know, there's always tragedy because adventurers, and that's what we're making here. You know, we call them heroes, but they're, they're adventurers. Normal, happy people are never adventurers. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, but, you know, this is something we talked a lot about in Pathfinder, too, because we had a similar motley crew of of misfits and rejects, as, as so often parties are in, in yeah. fantasy settings. Adventurers are not happy, fulfilled people. Everyone knows <laughs> <laughs> consciously or some or subconsciously. There's a reason why someone gets out into the world with no showers and no like consistency and no like never and hasn't, and hasn't settled down yet yeah 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 there's <laughs> there's usually a reason why people don't settle down and and those those reasons are, are what makes up the, the classic adventure backstory there's something different about them or something that happened to them that makes their life the way it is and they they usually choose to live this life because the alternative is is not a good fit for them or just simply isn't available because of who they are what's really funny is my Pathfinder character, my first one, Strone, his backstory, the tragedy in it was that he had to go. <laughs> was, that yeah. had to, was that he had to go on an adventure. Yeah, he had no choice. <laughs> there was a supernatural element because that's the setting we had. He was, you know, bid by a god to wander away from his loving home and family. And that's tragic. We touched <laughs> on that a tragic. lot. I mean, whenever yeah. he'd write home, like, you know, every eight. 10 sessions or so it was sad you know i teared up a couple times it was never he wrote home it was always he projected a message into his wife's mind in her sleep and that's fucking sad that's sad, sad. oh man when's the pathfinder uh one one shot podcast I told you we're doing it patreon <laughs> steven we're here in the break it's, it's the break. we're here in the break it's the break. Um, shout out to uh, Escatonia and Ben, longtime supporters of the podcast. Very happy with their shiny new limited run holographic Dark Times stickers. Remember, these went out to all of our $10 tier patrons, uh, even the ones who may have recently canceled. As a huge thank you for your patience with us and Patreon. We are still, I am like Homer Simpson choking out Bart Patreon right now because... <laughs> Man, I know, I know the priorities of that company are not focused on web development. Like, I understand that that's not what it's about over there. It ain't that kind of movie, kid. But, like, it's so frustrating to me that we couldn't give you guys what you deserved. And I'm so grateful that we finally were able to resolve this. I don't know what we're going to do for the future $10 backers. Um, we got a few more stickers on hand. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wall supplies last. Wall supplies last, yeah. Stephen. Yes, wall, wall supplies last. And, you know, I've learned a lot of lessons about shipping merchandise. This whole experience actually was really good because it showed me, it proved to me that going through Patreon was the better way. <laughs> was the move. Even yeah, because I haven't... <laughs> even if it's imperfect, exactly. Even, even if it's flawed, even if they still are not letting us do exactly what we want to do, just by a, a, a web, like an HTML, like CSS overlay bug, as best I can tell. 
it's still preferable to standing in line at FedEx. Um, <laughs> I hear the Postal Service has these cool little kiosks now that you can use, though. Oh, they've had those for like 15 years. Yeah, but when was the last time you used one? Uh, when I was shipping out those stickers. What, what else? What else do we do in the break? Um, we talked a bit about the Patreon. Um, we talk about the Patreon a lot. Um, I want to talk about other ways to support the podcast because a lot of people out there are doing these things that I'm about to list. A lot of you guys mentioned this, the podcast on the subreddit. We love that. And we're so thankful every time we see it. A lot of you guys sent, we haven't had, let, let, let me put my hand on you, dear listener, just on your shoulder here and in, in like a fatherly, like, like way, like your peer, not like a weird way. Um, <laughs> I'm a very busy. I'll just, I'll just stand at a respectable distance listener and I won't touch you like Steven's doing. Yeah. I know he didn't ask permission first. He just said that he's doing it. Yeah. So I'm just well, going to I can, back I here. can read the body language. If you like pull back from my hand, I'm not going to press <laughs> it. Like I, I, I have enough like social intelligence to like know when someone's not chill with that. But anyway, yeah, Sam's like the, the, like the, the school crossing guard who like saw you crying. And I'm like the principal <laughs> who's like trying to reassure you that everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Oh, yes. I'll be honest with you, dear listener. Um, I haven't had to write a stat block for this show in like what feels like 30 years. And <laughs> and I'm starting to miss it. And I have a few ideas, which is great because give me pause to think of some great ideas. that will be perfect for broadcast. We can crank out down the line. But like I'm a busy young man. Just assembling these episodes alone takes a huge chunk out of my week. And I love it. But the amount of listener submitted content we've been getting has been amazing. And I really wanted to thank everyone out there. I mean, there's too many, there's like half a dozen of you who are writing in almost every week with something That's you've great. made to feature on the it. show. It means so much to us and we love it. Um, Steven, you don't miss our, our 2am. Like I just got a cool idea for a build uh, conversations. Like those are great. I do miss <laughs> that. And I, I again, I, like I said, I'm looking forward to doing that again, but we'll it's hard the- to, we, I, I think what you're trying to say is that, we haven't had the need for it. We've no, just been it, getting it, more stuff. It in. hasn't been necessary. The pod is big enough to where it's kind of generating its own content. By that, I mean, you guys love it so much that you're generating content for the pod. And that was kind of the dream. You know, we we dreamed of a not just a podcast for us to circle jerk over, but of a, of a true Swissy platform, the likes of which has not been seen since like 2009 with the, the Radio <laughs> D20. Or a, a D20 Star Radio. Wars- D20 radio. Yeah. Yeah. A a star Wars circle jerk for a new generation. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what we are. You know, that's, that's, that's what we wanted to be. And, and with your help, dear listeners, we, we did it. You know, we're not, we're not a gamer nation. We don't have the momentum of a new RPG. You know, we're not doing con appearances yet. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to your local con, see if they'll have the dark times live. Oh my God. Could you imagine? That'd be so fucking funny. Yeah, we're headliners at Star Wars Celebration next year, guys. I love the No, can you imagine us sitting there in like an auditorium with like not even like 200 people? No, like like 49 people. Yeah, and then being like, oh, fuck, what are we gonna do for an opening bit? (laughs) Because, dear listener, I'm gonna lay it out bare for you right now. We don't do this, like the opening bit part takes up most of the prep time. Most of our prep time is trying, is like trawling through the like memeable scenes throughout all Star Wars content and like trying to piece something together. That's that's where the real effort goes. Those those 38 seconds at the top of the show, that that's what takes the most of our effort. But no, uh, all this to say, we really appreciate you guys. Uh, we say it practically every week, but we really want to make sure that that you guys are a blessing. You guys are Swissy. Um, we don't depend on a corporation to generate any of this for us. And to me, that is, that is freedom that that's what it means to be a free open and and truly fan driven experience that there is not a corporate center in our our collective job breaker here. Um, And I think that as a community, we're really like keeping the indie grunge originalness of star Wars. Oh yes, absolutely. I know, listen, we could go on for hours about how it's all corpo now, but I think with the subreddit and all the stories we're getting in the community and like, hey, here's a stat block I made, like, check this out. It's it's really bringing that indiness back to it, at least in my eyes. No, absolutely. And, and every Swissy fan understands this, that it's not what Disney 
puts out. Star Wars is so much bigger than than Disney could ever be. You know, Disney may have all the money in the world, practically, it seems, but they'll never have Star Wars, truly, because they'll never have, you know, the, the Star Wars in our in our hearts. That's what comes out. At the table, no, you laugh, Sam, but it's true. No, but I, 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 but I agree. It's just the the war the the phrasing is funny, but I agree. Of course, yeah, they'll, they'll never be able to buy or retcon or change or recast or decanonize Star- or decanonize the Star Wars inside us, inside you, inside me, inside Sam, and that's what drives me to do what we do because it, it's a beautiful thing, you know, in a profit driven world, they'll never put a price tag on the fun you have at the table. Like they can't, I mean, think about what wizards tried with the OGL. Like, was that like three weeks ago now? Like that, that was, it yeah, maybe, yeah, it's, it's kind of ongoing. Like, it but felt yeah. like longer, but it, yeah, I think it was only like three weeks ago. Yeah, it was crazy. Cause it was, it was so, I think it's kind of the first time we talked about it on the show, but yeah, it was a forced fire of, of people just waking up. And I, I love when the masses. I was surprised, honestly, that the masses could so readily realize that, wait, you can't tighten a profit grip on a game played with dice and paper and pencils and, and our imagination and imagination, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> the imagination is so important to me because it is our final escape from an increasingly, what I feel is an increasingly, you know, squeezed world, you know, the, the profit margins are, are dominating the decisions of companies across the board. And these companies have increasingly large roles in our day to day lives, mostly because of the you know proliferation of the internet and things like it. The fact that we have a community so dedicated to preserving that inner sanctum of the mind, the one place where, you know, they can never charge admission um, <laughs> or app microtransactions. Uh, it's great. I love it. Sorry, you don't have enough imagined coins for this. Exactly. And, and, you know, as long as, you know, we can keep chips out of our brain, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. We, we can we, we can have the space and share it with the people we love anytime we want. That was that, that got pretty abstract for the break, <laughs> but we're here. Let's let's send you guys back into the yeah. actual. Let's get back into the meat and potatoes, of the podcast. Yeah, let's just stop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> actually, then we're done for the day. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, you, you told me we got some. This one's been on our shelf for a while. Again, we're still kind of having a bit of a backlog with submitted content. So there's a lot of stuff in the pipeline. If you don't see yours yet, do not fret. We have everything. It's all lined up. We got a schedule. Sam, you said we've got some pilot mooks from good old Zloy Krolik this week. Yes, I've got the email right here. Let me just tap, 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 shuffle, shuffle, tap, tap, shuffle. Oh, yeah. Um, Hey, guys, here are a trio of CL5 mooks with ace pilot levels. Ace pilot one makes for a good transport pilot, speeder pilot, or walker jockey, which is a great phrase. I'm taking that. Walker trade jockey. Out, <laughs> trade out vehicle focused speeders for the appropriate vehicle type that you need. A good opponent for players who need to stop a vehicle or chase one down. Ace pilot two is a military pilot's flight or squadron leader type. They have starship tactics, so pick which starship maneuvers you need for the job at hand. And Ace Pilot 3 is a gunner, better than average pilot, but shines in the gunner seat. Again, has starship tactics, but should take gunner starship maneuvers. Note, he has a plus 3 bonus to hit using a starship weapon from Weapon Focus Heavy plus Starship Raider plus Expert Gunner, and can reroll an attack once per encounter from Gunnery Specialist. A more focused gunner could be made, but this one can be a pilot as well. As for crew quality, probably ace for all three. Their BAB is low, but their skills are high, and in the case of number three, the gunner, his ability to use point-blank shot and rapid shot is a bonus. Zloy Krolik. Zloy, these rock. Um, I think you sent these in around the time I was, you know, pontificating about how no one makes good mooks anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so but, mid-January, yeah. Yeah, 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 about that time. And and it, it, I still, I, I joke, but I still strongly believe that, you know, a lot of effort, even, you know, the build showcases more or less are focused on making a big guy that could serve as a, as a good boss or something like that. And that's awesome. But, you know, there are so many big guys out there. If you Google Swissy stat blocks, if you look at the saga continues, even Reddit is full of, you know, here's my badass Sith guy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's great. That's awesome. And and it's, you know, but also there's plenty of examples counter to that. DMF's guide is so good because it has stellar mooks. That's why I love DMFs because it's, it's chop full of just amazing mooks. These are another great example. These remind me a lot of DMF stat blocks. I hope I'm not getting ahead of myself with that, with that compliment, Zoy, but these <laughs> are great and are perfect. I, I almost want to steal these because fuck. 
These would make great zero distance like co-pilots and stuff like that. They absolutely like resi- would be rebel resistance pilots. I love it. Um, Steven, I think we've talked about it before about what makes a good pilot and what makes a good mook. Yeah. And I really believe Slow Crowlock has hidden like the best of both worlds here. It's it's true. It's it's like he listens to the fucking pod <laughs> or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, these are characters and, and and he really knows how to make a good pilot because these don't just work in an X Wing. These are characters that can hold their own in any combat at any at character scale or space combat. And that is what the pilot is all about. It's so easy to cornhole yourself. The game practically can force your hand at times to cornhole yourself into only being good in a starfighter at starship scale. These guys are very versatile, both within their niche, but can also step out of the cockpit and start shooting dudes, too. Um, particularly that gunner, which is that is how you make a gunner. A gunner is a gunner is a gunner, right? I mean, you know it well. <laughs> Dev doesn't shy away from his more gunner leanings, and, and it really stands out when he's on the ground, too, because he's actually putting some serious damage downrange. Tilly's like that, too. That's, that's, that's actually a good point to raise. Since we're doing this uh, hex crawl, it's definitely more ground combat than we're used to. Yeah. And you really notice how much we've, uh, what's the one looking for, specialized <laughs> into being pilots. And maybe maybe this can be moved back up to when we're discussing the hex crawl specifically. But yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why I did the hex crawl, because I knew it would be a huge challenge. At the start of the campaign, I was like, build for space. We're doing space. 70% of encounter is going to be in space. You should do space, 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 space. Don't worry about character scale combat. And that was kind of my, my haha gotcha jokers trick was it, it made a very basic encounter table for a very basic stat crawl, a fucking nightmare for you guys. And that <laughs> that's been the most fun part of the hex crawl for me is that I can make these very mundane scenarios challenging because I told you not to prepare for them. And I felt evil doing it, but I'm also having too much fun to care. No, it's great. Zloy, I love, big fan of doing just standard array for these sort of mooks. We don't need the point buy for a non-heroic. They Not really. They, they don't need it. It's and a waste of your time. I wish I didn't do um point buy for my <laughs> character in uh, Zero Distance because, boy howdy, uh, negative two strength, <laughs> your carrying capacity is... Almost nothing. It's bad. It's actually really bad. Carrying capacity has been the biggest villain of the hex crawl, actually. And it's it's beautiful. I love it. I love it so fucking much, Sam. <laughs> it just feels so good that the weight on your back is the biggest problem you guys have to deal with. It feels very old school D&D to me. <laughs> well, we got Sloy's uh, builds are going to be in the description there for everyone to look at. I with I love doing high non-heroic levels to add prestige classes we've talked about it before on the show there's no need to reiterate you don't see it enough and <laughs> exactly it, yeah and we see it a lot now lately and i i just fucking love it it's so smart it makes such interesting characters that are really simple bite-sized kind of one note but that's what you that's what a good mook is a good mook has one dance move that just he pops and locks and that's what yeah. he does and the party's like oh my god he's popping and locking <laughs> a good mook lets the gm look at the stat block and be like okay he does this yes and not be like look at the stat block and be like okay fuck uh he hacks but he also pops and locks <laughs> but he can also do the moonwalk and it's just like come on too, too many dance moves my man just stick to one and those are the memorable ones uh that players keep in their hearts the that one those one mooks that had one really nasty trick <laughs> We got piloty, we got shooty, and then we got stabby. <laughs> we all know what, and we all know what stabby does. So yeah. <laughs> it's great when uh, it really encourages your players to think tactically uh, because they they don't have to guess as to what that enemy is going to do. It makes them feel smart when they can plan around what they know the enemy is going to do. It's a very rewarding experience on both ends, and it makes you feel like a better GM because when they finish the combat, they'll be like, "Wow, that was a good combat." <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Steven, do you have any trivia for us this week? I do. I, I got a little mini three pack again, actually dipping into to video games here. Um, these are all f- uh, fun facts about Star Wars Battlefront 2, the 2005 release, of, of course. Yeah, the only one that matters. Yeah. <laughs> that newer one did get better, but it, I mean, come, come, come it was very pay on. to win. It was very pay to win. I actually, the, the heroes, uh, how they handled the heroes in that really turned me off. It, it, was, it was like the heroes were like MOBA heroes. Because you could, like build them and and all that shit and and the the damage buffs. I, so okay, sorry, we're not going into it. <laughs> General Veers in Star Wars Battlefront Two, which I don't know where General Veers is in this game. I, I assume 
May, is he the imperial announcer? Is I, I don't know. But General <laughs> Veers is voiced by Jamie Glover, son of Julian Glover, who portrayed General Veers in Empire Strikes Back. Everyone remembers he's the cool guy with the sick helmet in the ATAT walking <laughs> towards the rebels. He pops his binoculars on and looks with satisfaction as rebels are toasted by the ATAT's cannons. Perfect smarmy, excellent Imperial officer performance. Probably like definitely formed the basis for a lot of people's ideas of like an Imperial officer in action. I oh, think yeah. he's one of a very few in the original trilogy that we see actually like on the front lines. Very, very who cool. Wasn't, who wasn't just getting mad at Darth Vader in like a conference room or something like that? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> And then although he appears on the cover art, one of my favorite Jedi, uh, Kit Fisto, does not appear in all versions of the game. He was exclusively available in the Xbox version as a downloadable character. I think Asajj Ventress was also a a DLC character only here, too. Um, Modders were able to add him into the PC version later on. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. It's a damn shame because he's fucking cool. Love Kit Fisto. fucking rules. He's awesome. Early, very early childhood crush for me, too. Like... The um the the uh the like O three Clone Wars the two D cartoon one yeah 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 I can't remember the director's name or at least how to pronounce it but um, Gendy Tartakovsky Tartakovsky yeah the Tartakovsky Clone Wars uh that that kid Fisto was was an early early childhood crush for me very very cool hair tentacles huh hair tentacles the smile I, I <laughs> the love smile. a winning smile the smile was the big one. And the voice actor for Obi-Wan Kenobi in this game, uh, just a guy known as James Arnold Taylor, went on to voice Obi-Wan later on in everyone's favorite Star Wars The Clone Wars TV series and briefly appeared reprising the same role in Star Wars Rebels on Disney. He also voices Obi-Wan in the Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. Oh, so cool. I did not know that he had that role in Battlefront before he did yeah. in TCW. That's such like a that's like a um that's like a Sam Witwer moment where he voiced yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Witwer Order sixty six moment where he yeah, voices yeah, yeah. Palpatine there. Yeah, voices Palpatine almost a full decade before he actually gets the official role. Very very cool. Um, yeah, that, that's my trivia for today. Wow. Well, thank you, Stephen. Thank you. The Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast, is produced and edited by me, Sam Stevens, my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Steven, do we still have a bounty right now? Oh my gosh, yeah. I totally forgot to <laughs> remind everyone about the bounty. We have the Lawman, law person, really, bounty build showcase out right now. Your submission is due Sunday, February 26th to DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com, no later than 11.59 p.m. Pacific they don't have to have Enforcer or anything like that, even though Enforcer is kind of like that. But no one Enforcer is a, a bit of a rough class. I'm not going to mandate you guys have Enforcer, <laughs> but look it over. At least familiarize yourself with the class. You Odds are you have not yet already. I know I have to go back and look at it pretty regularly because like, what? Enforcer? And level 10 hero. Level 10 hero. Make sure that they are some sort of law enforcer, either begrudgingly or enthusiastically. Maybe on a backwater world or maybe in the depths, darkest hive of scum and villainy you can imagine. Make sure whatever their circumstance, they are on the side of the law. Whether that makes them good or bad is up to you. Uh, It's very, very interesting area to play with here. Uh, Totally up to you. As long as they're some sort of hardened sheriff or bad cop, your choice. Maybe they're RoboCop. (laughs) That's cool, too. I do like RoboCop. (laughs) RoboCop, he's silly. I kind of think he's silly. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Maybe like a maybe like a Judge Dread then. Yeah, is he a robot? Oh wait, no, that's not a requirement for the. <laughs> sorry, I thought <laughs> Judge Dread is not a robot. I think he's a super soldier. Maybe, but yeah, maybe he's Judge Dread. Maybe maybe he's Decker. Maybe he's a combination. I don't know. I, I feel like, I like how all the examples you provided might be robots. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, Every time I list an example for build contest, I feel like I immediately narrow like what people are going to build. <laughs> Like, well, he said Decker. I can't do a Decker. God damn it. But no, yeah, you can do a Decker. Come on. We've already got a couple uh, submissions in. They're looking really promising. Very excited to see what you send our way again. That's Sunday, February 26th, 1159p Pacific. DarktimeSwissy at gmail.com. Level 10. Law person. Law enforcer. Whatever you got. Let's see it. If, if you're on the fence, I always say it. If you're on the fucking fence, I see you there. Get off that fence. <laughs> Jump onto the side. This is where I listen to my podcast from, Steve. It's the only place I get a signal. (laughs) You get down from there and you jump on the side of that fence that is emailing us your build. We want to see it. (laughs) Don't be intimidated. We're going to feature it. Promise. First time submitter? Don't matter to me. We'll feature it. Bring it. Please. Come on. Yes. 
Don't forget to review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? Watch those wrist rockets. In case I already did that one, which I, I may have. Uh, they sent in the supers. <laughs> they sent in the supers. My favorite has got to be an enemy has taken the command post. <laughs> yeah, I don't hear that one enough. I like the Imperial Good night, one. everybody. The rebels have taken a command post. Fight for it. <laughs> one of the good ones. The Republic has taken a command post. <laughs> uh, shouldn't we stop that? Shouldn't <laughs> I don't think they have silly battle droids in BF2, but they should. <laughs> no, they definitely have like the Republic is taking a command post. Oh, that's oh my god! It's, you it's just the like tactics droid. <laughs> you blasted me back to 2006. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>